So last Friday night, I stepped out of my house onto my front porch, and it just went tragically wrong from there, you know? It was the night when the weather was kind of flipping in the northern part of the county. and It had been snowing, and then it kind of changed to rain. It slowly started to warm up, but it had been raining on my front porch. And, and as I stepped outside, I was just wearing you know, jeans and a t-shirt, bare feet. I just wanted to see what the weather was doing, so I stepped out not realizing that my entire front porch, at least the couple of feet right close to the steps, had been covered in this very sheer veneer of ice. And so I just stepped out and I realized I was in trouble the second I started on it because I'm standing there, but I realize as I'm standing there, I'm not walking, but I'm moving. You know, I'm just slowly sliding towards the edge. And so I, I, I kind of, you know, positioned myself. And I tried to reach for this side of the wall on the porch and nothing I'm doing. I'm trying to reach on this side. That's not good. Tried to sit down, didn't work. I mean, and I'm sliding towards the edge. I've got two steps. I get right out to the edge and I cannot go backwards. So I come to the first step and it's just like, boonk, you know, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to stop here. Nope, not a chance. Boom, in the next one. And I end up drifting out into my driveway. And as I'm drifting, I'm, I'm turning, right? It's, it's like stars on ice. I mean, it's scary for me, right? And I find myself about four feet out into my driveway. And I'm asking myself some questions at that point. How am I going to get out back in my house without dying, Right? Why did I come out of the warm confines of my house in the first place? Why did I need to see the weather? Is my wife going to miss me or am I going to be here for hours without her even know that I'm gone? I'm asking questions. Why did I not install handrails on the entrance to my house? I'm asking the question, where is Jesus when you need him, right? And is he laughing at me right now? I think he was, okay? I mean, I'm frozen in place. And this is what I know. If I don't make a series of very right decisions in the next couple of minutes, I'm going to stumble and hurt myself very, 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 very badly. I didn't know what to do. And I needed somebody. I don't know where you guys were, but I needed somebody to show up in my driveway and just say, look, just put one foot here and another foot here. Here's a lifeline. What do you think? And pull me into safety. That's what I was looking for in that moment. Wouldn't it be nice if somebody could do that for you? You know, you just kind of get, you just kind of get slid out into the middle of nowhere in your life and you're trying to make a decision. Wouldn't it be nice if somebody just came along and said, look, just put a foot here and put a foot here. You're going to get safely. You're not going to stumble. Just, just follow my lead and it's going to be perfect. I mean, life would be so easy if everything was just black and white. If there was just right and wrong, nothing in between, it would just be so much simpler. But unfortunately, that's just not the way it is, right? I mean, living as a Christian in a world that kind of looks at Jesus as this enlightened but somewhat misguided teacher. And you live for him in this world. I mean, it just creates some tension. Creates some pain. I said some bull things about Jesus last week. Created some tension. Created some pain. So my question this weekend is this. How do we keep from stumbling as we try to follow Jesus in a culture that really has very little use for him? How do we keep ourselves from stumbling, from being frozen out in the middle of nowhere? How do we keep from tripping somebody else up while we're trying to navigate this thing called life? How are we supposed to live out the the life of Jesus and the love of Jesus? And how are we supposed to love everybody while we're holding to the convictions of the Bible? Well, Scripture is very clear to us. The church in Corinth was stumbling, okay? They're tripping all over themselves. They were a group of young believers and they were falling over themselves trying to live out their faith in a city that was known for being party central of the ancient Near East. I mean, Corinth was Vegas, okay? That's just the way it was. What happened in Corinth didn't stay in Corinth. 
Any more than what happens in Vegas doesn't follow you home on Allegiant Airlines and leaves you broke, hungover, and filled with regret, you know? If you went to Corinth, you just got messed up. That's the way it was. And in this city, this little church of young people is stumbling because they haven't got anything to hold on to. I mean, they're frozen between their old lives and their newfound faith, and their pastor writes them a letter, okay? Pastor Paul shows up, and he's just like, okay, we're going to do a little stumble prevention, all right? I'm going to give you some stuff so that you've actually got something to hold on to while you're trying to figure out how in the world do I live like Jesus in a world that just seems to be kind of shifting and moving and all this cultural stuff. Pastor Paul, in the, in the previous chapters, has been talking about the old idols that they used to serve before they were Christians. He says that this is what happened. You, you accepted Christ and Jesus set you free from that old bondage. You know, and he starts talking about you're free. You're free in Christ. You're, you're free from these old religious rules. You're free from all of these regulations. Don't get stuck in the rules and the regulations. Concentrate on the relationship that you have with your God. It's just going to be awesome. But you're free. You're free. You're free. Now, here was the problem. The Corinthians heard they were free in Jesus, and they took that to mean that means I can go back and sin. I can go back and grab a hold of this stuff that was in my old lifestyle because I'm free. I'm free. I got to get out of hell free card. I mean, it's perfect. I can go and do whatever I want to because I'm free in Christ. And Pastor Paul says, whoa, whoa, that's not what I meant. No, 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 no. Don't use your freedom to go backwards. Use your freedom to go deeper. Use your freedom to follow Jesus. And this is how he explains it in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Now, this is so unbelievably applicable today because I don't have any, I'm going to use the word it a lot today. I'm going to tell you on the front end, I don't know what it is for you, okay? You don't know what it is for me. But I guarantee you, all of us on Monday have an it, okay? Something we're going to have to decide on. Should I ask that person out or that person out? Should I go to this social function or not? Should I watch that movie? Should I work in this job or that job? Should I enter into this partnership or not? Should I sign up for that dating online service? Or should I not? Should I, should I share my faith with this person or not? No matter what it is, if you ask the questions Paul's going to lay out for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, I promise you, if you will walk through them logically and honestly, you will not end up stumbling because of that decision. Whatever it is, okay? I don't know what your it is and you don't know what mine is either. Let's walk through it together. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, starting at verse 23, Paul says this, everything's permissible. Not everything's beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. Now, some of us read that first phrase and it's just like, that's awesome. I love Christianity. Everything is permissible. Game on, okay? He's not talking about things that God has already been very, very clear about, okay? When it comes to the stuff that God has already commanded, there is black and white, okay? So if you're here today and you're a Christian, and I'm not assuming that all of you are, but here's what your Bible says. Don't commit murder. You're done, right? Can't kill anybody, much as you'd be tempted to, or thinking it, you can't do that, okay? God said no. Don't commit adultery. Well, I guess I can't go there, all right? Don't get drunk with wine. That's what your Bible says. Not going to get into all the other little stuff there, but that's what your Bible says. End of story, period. For me as a believer, that's what the Bible says. Love your neighbor. Somebody like, even the guy with the lousy lawn? Yeah. You're supposed to love him. You're supposed to love her. Regardless of what kind of a package they come in, you're supposed to love them. That's what Scripture says. So that's the first question, okay? Is it permissible? 
Has God already given clear direction about whether or not this is permissible for me as a follower of God? Is the direction I'm going, the decision I'm making, is it in law, in line with the law of God, the principles of God, the wisdom of God, the will of God? If the answer is no, then the answer is no. Makes life way simpler when you start there, right? Does God say something about this? Sure does. So I guess the answer is no on that one, okay? Second question, is it beneficial? Now, this is where it gets really dicey, okay? There are some things that are permissible, but they're not beneficial, Okay, I'm, you know, I've been on a bit of a roll with kind of ticking people off lately, so let's just continue, okay? I'm going to get all up in your business, all right? Let's talk about eating too much, okay? I love to eat. It's a good thing. Nothing in Scripture says I can't eat, okay? I like food. Can I eat a lot and not have any boundaries? Well, that's permissible, but it's not beneficial. If you don't believe me, ask my bathroom scale, okay? It tells me when I've crossed the line into not beneficial anymore. Okay, let me use another example. I am allowed, according to the Bible, to stand in a campfire. I could go build a campfire in the parking lot right now and stand right in the center of it. There's nothing in Scripture that prohibits you from standing in a campfire. But it's not beneficial, right? Unless you're trying to take s'mores to a whole new level, okay? It's just, it's just not smart, okay? Let's talk about, uh, oh, why not? Let's talk about smoking cigarettes, Okay. Is it permissible? Yeah. There's no verses that say don't smoke cigarettes. Is it beneficial? It, it says right on the box it's not, okay? <laughs> We're not, we didn't even get to God. It's the Surgeon General says don't. It's not worth it, okay? You know, people always ask, you know, why do we have ashtrays out front of the church? I'm like, you know what? Here's the deal. That's somebody else's issue. It's not yours. Don't get caught up in the sin of pride looking down on people. You know, they're working on their thing. You're working on their stuff. The reality is this, smoking not going to keep you out of heaven. In fact, it'll get you there a whole lot quicker if you keep doing it. Just straight up, okay? That's just it, all right? But these are the kind of questions we're talking about here. Is it, can I go to that movie? I don't know. Is it beneficial? Can I go into that club? I don't know. Is it beneficial? Am I allowed to drink that beverage? I don't know. Is it beneficial? Could I be a friend with that person? I'm not sure. Is it beneficial? Should I stay in this relationship? I don't know. Is it beneficial? Leads to another question. Is it constructive? Is what I'm planning on doing constructive? Or is it just lazy? Is it going to contribute something to somebody's life or not? I mean, I checked my Bible this morning. The Bible does not say, thou shalt not go and nail yourself to the wall with a nail gun. It's not in there. I'm free to do it as a believer. I could go backstage right now, take a nail gun and poop, 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 poop. Wouldn't be very beneficial though. Not very constructive because when you're nailed to a wall, you can't do anything else. I mean, that's just the bottom line, right? It's logical. So the question is this. Sometimes we should ask it this way. It's not whether or not it's constructive. Is it destructive? Is it destructive in your life, in your body, in your friend's life, in your friend's body, in your family? If it's destructive, we probably have our answer. Paul goes on, verse 24, nobody should seek his own good but the good of others. Here's the next question. Is it selfish or loving? Okay, there, I'm free to talk about how amazing my kids are. I think I've got great kids. I like bragging about them. But I would never brag about my children at the hospital when I'm talking to a family who just lost a baby. That, that, that would just be, that's not loving. That'd be selfish. I've got a friend in my life. He's an absolute hero to me. He's in full-blown recovery from an alcohol addiction. I would never invite my friend to go to a bar just because I like the sandwich menu. 
wouldn't be loving for him. That would put him in a very dangerous place. I would never want to threaten his sobriety based on that. wouldn't be loving. That would be unbelievably selfish. I like the sandwiches. That's where we're going. I don't think so. Okay? Now, I want you to remember this as well, because we get this one upside down a lot when it comes to being loving. Sometimes the most loving thing you can do for a person is to simply tell them the truth. Even when it stings and sometimes when it hurts. When I was a young man and trying to make decisions about my life, a good friend of mine named David Boys confronted me about my hypocrisy. And I was ticked when he did it. How, what right do you have to judge me? He basically said this, Grant, you're either on the team or you're not. Make up your mind one way or the other. Stop playing games. I thought he was judgmental. I was angry at him. I was frustrated until I realized this. He had nothing to gain and everything to lose by having that conversation with me. He loved me enough to tell me the truth, say, this is what the Bible says, gave me a wake-up call, and that was the beginning of my journey back towards Jesus because he loved me enough to tell me the truth. Okay? Paul goes on, verse 25. This is where it gets a little confusing. It says, eat anything sold in the meat market without raising questions of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So here's the next question. Is it, whatever it is, is it under God's ownership? Okay? The Bible says everything belongs to the Lord. Now, Paul was talking to a group of people here who used to go buy their meat in a meat market. Most of us don't do that. We go to Safeway, you know. The question the Corinthians were doing was this. A lot of the meat in the meat market had been sacrificed to an idol or presented to an idol. And so it caused this bit of tension. Like, am I supposed to be eating that stuff or not? Okay? But the Bible says everything belongs to the Lord. Even those things that have been corrupted and polluted by sin, they belong to God. So the question is really this. Whatever you're doing, whatever it is, are you acting in a way that declares God's ownership of you? Can you see the thumbprints of God on your heart and your soul when you're doing whatever it is? Here's another way to ask that. Is what I'm doing blessable? Can God bless this or not? Or does God have to take his hands off of it because it's not right? It doesn't line up with him and his direction. I mean, it cracks me up. This verse here, verse 26, the earth is the Lord and everything's in it. People use this verse to justify drug use. Think about it. It just drives me nuts. I mean, it makes me laugh. People are just like, man, God made weed. We're supposed to enjoy it. Yeah, enjoy it. Take a picture of it, okay? Don't dry it, roll it, and smoke it. I mean, seriously, right? But we use these verses to try and justify something. You know, and that's not reality. The reality is this. Is it under God's ownership in the way God had intended it to be used? And if it was the way God intended it to be used, then it can honor and glorify him. If you're using it for another purpose, it's not honoring and glorifying. 10 o'clock, you're all sitting here so pious as if you don't know what I'm talking about, right? 8.30, which is the older crowd, I'm talking about weed, and they're like, I don't know, right? 11.45, we'll get this, Okay. I'm just saying it straight, okay? They're going to get that, all right? You can pray for me, okay? Is it under God's ownership in the way God intended it to be used to honor and glorify Him? If not, then you've got your answer right there, okay? Verse 27, if some believer, unbeliever, invites you to a meal and you want to go, eat whatever's put before you without raising questions of conscience, okay? Here's another tough question. Is it, whatever it is, missional for the sake of the message of Jesus? Paul's saying here, when you're interacting with people who don't know Jesus, 
be respectful. I love the fact Paul would put this in here because here's what he's saying. For some of us, this is what we need to hear. If you pride yourself in having this nice little Christian bubble and nobody inside of it that doesn't know Jesus, you're missing out on the mission of Christ. Completely missing it. That's not something we should be proud of. That's something we should be looking at and go, that's got to change. I need to find some people that I can be friends with, that I can do life with, that I can also be honest enough with to share, this is the message of Jesus in my own life and how he changed me. Paul's saying, interact, build friendships, go to their house for dinner, eat what they serve you, and build relationships so that you can speak of Jesus. I mean, I'm going to India in a couple of weeks. I'm actually going to go and visit all of the orphanages that have kids in it that you as a church sponsor. Okay, if you've got a kid in India that you've sponsored, if you'd like to say hi to them, I would love to hand deliver a letter from you to them. I would love to do that. Six by nine envelope, stick some stuff inside. I'll take it with me to India and I'll give it to them. And I'll do my best to bring you home a picture of the child that you're sponsoring and changing their life, okay? But I'm going to India and I'm gonna, I know this. I'm gonna eat whatever they put in front of me. Whether they're a believer or not a believer, I don't know who it's been dedicated. I don't know nothing about that meat and I'm gonna pray that God helps me and protects me for the sake of the gospel, right? Yeah, there you go, okay? You know? So we just read that part. We go, no big deal. If somebody invites me over, I'm going to go and eat. That's great. You know, eat up. Woo! Christianity, awesome. Here comes the hard part. Verse 28. But if anyone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, don't eat it. For both the sake of the man who told you and for conscience's sake, the other man's conscience, I mean not yours, for why should, I, why should my freedom be judged by another's conscience? If I take part in the meal with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of something that I thank God for? Paul's saying this, okay? So you're sitting at a meal and somebody taps you on the shoulder and says, by the way, that got sacrificed to an idol. I saw that ahead of time. You're supposed to make a decision on that moment, not based on the other guy's conscience, based on yours. Where is your line going to be? Paul gives us a picture of the fact there's times you've got to respectfully draw a line. I run into this all the time because... Because of what I do for a living, I get invited to a lot of civic functions to pray. Love to pray. Love people. I love civic functions. Free chicken dinner, right? That's cool, right? I get invited all of the time. And, and, but on several occasions, before the meal starts, I get the talk from the organizer. I try to get the talk early now so I don't create, you know, uncomfortability for anybody. But the talk usually goes something like this. You know, there's a lot of people here from a variety of different backgrounds. And we were just wondering if, if whatever you pray, if it could just be kind of generic, that'd be great. Just say something spiritual. Sometimes they get straight out and they just say, we would love for you to pray. Please don't pray in the name of Jesus because his name is offensive to some of the people that are here. Okay, I respect that, but here's what I know. When I was lost and broken, God loved me so much that he sent his son to this planet. And he lived a perfect life and died on a cross to save my soul. He was dead for three days and then he came back to life again in power to secure my salvation. He has never been ashamed of me I will never be ashamed of him. The Bible says there's no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. 
And so when I pray, I pray in the name of Jesus because that's where all of the authority and the power comes from. And if I can't pray in the name of Jesus, then maybe you need to find somebody else to pray. It's just the line for me, right? I try to do it respectfully, but it's an issue of conscience for me. My conscience won't let me do that. I can't. So here's the question. Is it an issue of conscience where you need to respectfully draw a line? Now, let's be real. There's matters of conscience for all of us, and we've all got to make our own decisions. People often start with their conscience and then end with the law of God. I'd encourage you to flip that over. It'll make your life a whole lot easier. Start with what God says first and then work your way. And let me tell you why. I, I can make God sound an awful lot like me if you give me enough time, right? I don't know if I should do that. Yes, you should. That was God. I'm in, right? That's kind of how it works, Okay. People often start with their conscience. They give no regard to God's standard, and that's why they end up stumbling. I went to a family member's wedding once, and I got invited out with the guys before the wedding, and they made a corporate decision. This is my family, you know. They made a corporate decision that the best way to celebrate our cousin's upcoming nuptials was to go to a dark room, drink until they were fuzzy, and stare at somebody else's daughter. You understand what I'm saying? You got it? Okay. At that point... It violated my conscience. It's like, I can't do that. The Bible says, husbands, love your wives. That would not be loving towards my wife to go there. The Bible says that I am to be salt and light. I want to live in the light as he is in the light, and that's not light to me. And so I've got to make a decision about whether I'm going or not. I mean, and, you know, I'm not going to go and do something just to prove that I can do it. In that moment, I've got an opportunity to make a decision that violated my conscience. And so I had to respectfully say, guys, if you want to go, that's cool. But I can't. I won't. For the sake of my God, my wife, and my own conscience. It just violates, crosses a line for me. So, nope, I'm out. Paul continues and says this. So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Okay, that's really the most important question right there, right? Is it going to glorify God or not? Will God get glory if I choose to go in this direction? Will Jesus be made famous if I go into that environment or that environment? Will Jesus be made famous if I make this decision or if I speak out on that issue? Paul just gets practical. If I'm going to drink that, is it going to bring glory to God or not? If I eat that, is it going to bring glory to God or not? Is God going to get the glory from it or is it just going to make me stumble and fall and possibly lose my integrity or my witness? I put it this direction. Will this bring God glory, or is it just going to reinforce the belief that a lot of the world has that most Christians are just hypocrites and no different than anybody else? If I'm going to reinforce that belief, I believe I've got my answer. I need to walk to a different drummer. I need to live differently. I need to figure out what's a matter of conscience and what's not. I need to press in, because whether we like it or not, People are watching us. And you might be the only Jesus they ever see. I was renting a movie at Blockbuster. I'm standing in line. People behind me are changing their position to see what I've got in my hand. I'm okay with that. Because if what I've got in my hand honors God cool. If it doesn't, I might need to rethink that, right? 
Paul go, or, you know, you're looking and say, well, nobody else's business. Not according to Paul, it's not. Verse 32, don't cause anyone to stumble. Whether Jews or Greeks or the church of God. So here's another question. Is it hypocritical or is it protective? I mean, there's a command right there. Paul says, don't make anybody else stumble because of your actions. He goes, I don't care if they're Jewish or Greek or Roman, in the church, out of the church, this persuasion, that persuasion. He says, don't contribute to somebody else's stumbling because you confuse them by claiming one belief system and acting completely different. That's where the tension comes, right? You profess one type of belief and then you act completely contrary to that. And your unsaved friends are going, I don't get that. How does that go together? That doesn't make any sense. You're no different than I am. So are you living to protect people who don't know Jesus or are young in their faith or are you just living for yourself? I told you this story here once before, right? I I, I worked at Brandon University. I worked in the dish pit. It was my part-time job in high school. And this new employee comes in. His name's Duncan McQuiston. And we had this big garbage disposal where all of the, the un eating food would get shoved in there, and at the end of the night, we'd hit the button, and this great big garburator thing would just suck that stuff down if you push the button down. If you push the button up, it reversed the direction and spewed that stuff everywhere. It was kind of a hazing ritual, the new guy. It's just like, hey, Duncan, why don't you just flip that switch up? Covered him from head to toe. And we all laughed. It was funny. I mean, it's just like, ah, ha, 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 Until afterwards, Duncan's changing down in the change room. And he looks at me and says, I thought you were different. Duncan's dad was a pastor in town. He was my brother in Christ. Was it permissible? I don't think so. Beneficial? Not for Duncan. Was it constructive? Absolutely not. I had my answer, but in that moment, I was more concerned with being cool than I was about protecting my little brother in Jesus. So are you living to protect people who don't know Christ or living for yourself? Let's wrap this up. Verse 32 and 33. Don't cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God, even as I try to please everybody in every way. I love Paul because he's a people pleaser like I am. Struggles with that too. For I'm not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. Here's the ultimate question. Is whatever it is, when I make that decision, is it going to point people towards Jesus or away? Towards Jesus or away? The reality is I never want to be a stumbling block to people coming to Jesus. I never want to get in the way of someone hearing the gospel, repenting of sin, receiving forgiveness, and being transformed by Jesus. I don't want anyone to stumble. And I have found the best way to prevent the people that I love from stumbling is making sure that I do my best to not stumble myself. There are consequences when I trip and fall spiritually. It affects lots of people. And I've got to hold that deep in my heart, and sometimes it's downright scary. I hope you'll hold it in your heart too. You see, I, I, I want to make sure that I'm not going to stumble because I want to make sure that the people around me don't stumble either. Well, how in the world am, am I going to make sure that, that I do my best to try and, and prevent the stumbles that obviously are going to come? I mean, that's the question, right? Am I going to stumble? Yeah, if you're human, you sure will. I spent the whole week tripping over myself. But now we've got 
a little bit of help. Now we've got some handholds, right? Because here come the questions. Before you do it, whatever it is, is it permissible? Beneficial? Is it constructive? Is it loving? Is it just selfish? Is it under God's ownership or not? Is it missional for the sake of the message of Jesus? Is it an issue of conscience where you need to respectfully draw a line? Is it glorifying to God? Is it hypocritical or is it protective? And finally, if you do it, whatever it is, is it going to point people towards Jesus or away? Is it going to keep you walking the path that God has or is it just going to lay out a trap in front of someone that you care about? And make them stumble. See, here's what I know. All of us are on a journey towards God. I hope that our prayer is to not stumble while we're sprinting for the finish line. I was walking on my own merry way, and God rolled a stumbling block in front of me. A rock of offense, according to last week, a cornerstone. And I tripped over Jesus, and he caught me put me on a cornerstone that didn't move. I've crawled off of that rock lots of times. Just put me back on there again. My prayer is this. When you cross the finish line of heaven and stumble into the arms of your Savior and hear those beautiful words, well done, good and faithful servant, my prayer is that you'll be able to turn around and there'll be a whole bunch of people just running in sync right behind you because they saw Jesus in you and followed your example and you never tripped. And in turn, you never made them trip either. We're not talking about perfection here. We're talking about destination. My prayer is now that we've got these handholds, that all week long, I drive you crazy by being that voice in your head. Should I do this or that? I don't know. Is it permissible? Beneficial? No. Done. Let's ask the hard questions that God has honored and praised. Let's pray together today. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm just going to take a moment and let's just have a couple moments of quiet. And You know, whatever it is, whatever the decision is you've got to make, should you take this job or that job? Should you stay in this relationship or not? Should you pursue the dissolution of this marriage or not? Should you go to this function on the weekend or not? Should you enter into that partnership or not? Whatever it is, let's just take a moment and run it through what the Bible's taught us today. Let's ask God for wisdom, for an answer, starting with His wisdom, not with ours. Let's just take a few moments of quiet and and talk to God about that. Lord, would you give us wisdom and courage to deal with whatever it is. May we start with your wisdom and work our way down. 
Thank you for Paul's encouragement out of 1 Corinthians. God, we just love that you've given us some handholds so we don't end up stranded and frozen. So Lord, we give our decisions to you. May we live in a way that's honoring and glorifying to you. God, I pray that we would hear your word. Be holy because I'm holy. And may we make those decisions this week that will bring honor and glory to you. We give ourselves to that good cause. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.